straight up, hey, focus on focus on the season. We got Houston next. No sé, Witten, you know, Austin FC, everybody, you know, cabeza para arriba. We made it third season to champions, man. You know, no hay por qué aguitarnos, bro, and just head forward to the next one, bro. No sé, Witten, anybody who's talking shit. Hey, bajenle el volumen because, hey, it's, it's, it's a long road, bro. I said, I told you, bro, I'm being serious, man. This is strike one for Wolf. You know, this strike one for Wolf. That is strike two, San Antonio USL. That may have been strike one. It is the third year. Cabeza para arriba. My man who's always up, Mauricio Pedraza. How you doing, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a t-shirt made out of that. No se agüiten, bro. Cabeza para arriba. Cabeza para arriba. No se agüiten, bro. How do you say no se agüiten, bro? What's the best way to translate no se agüiten, bro? No se agüiten would be like... Yeah, uh, yeah chin up. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. what it is. Chin up. Chin up. All right, right. Wow. Chin up, hey. chin up, because we have we have a packed show for uh, for you on Football Americas. A one-on-one conversation with Christian Pulisic, and yes, he speaks on the Berhalter Reynas topic. That's coming up next. But let's get started with uh, the recent news regarding the U.S. Men's National Team. The roster, 24-player roster was announced for the two games, Nations League games. Anthony Hudson made the announcement. 13 players returned for the first time after the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Only one MLS player was included in the roster. That's Miles Robinson returns after a lengthy absence due to a knee injury. Uh, let's take a listen to what Anthony Hudson had to say regarding the list. For us to be able to really plan this out and have strong teams in all of these competitions. Um, we have decided to select the team uh, a certain way for these, with these next few, uh, these next few camps coming up. The other side of it is uh, it's a balancing act uh, between uh, when we get to the summer, the overseas players are going to need a break Um, and obviously with some of our domestic players, um, it's a, you know, it's a slight challenge for those guys because they potentially are going to be missing league matches with their clubs. Um, so, so we have decided to select for this camp, a predominantly uh, European based, uh, squad, Um, we did this in 2021. It worked very well where we, we, we obviously won both tournaments and we more or less did it with two separate squads. So we were comfortable with that. We've done it before. Um, and also it made sense in terms of trying to work with clubs and um, not overloading the players. Let's go through some notes regarding... The call-ups, only one player from Major League Soccer, Miles Robinson, as we said. Uh, the fewest players from Major League Soccer rosters included for a competitive window since 1996. MLS inception, 1996. Right? Fewest Major League Soccer players to appear for the team in a competitive fixture was one. June 8, 2012, in a World Cup qualifier match against Antigua and Barbuda. That was Landon Donovan. By the way, our very own... Hercules Gomez scored. Is that serious? I mean, if, if you don't know, if you don't know, then trust our research. 
Just absolutely. I remember easy. that game. It was a monsoon, like in Tampa. <laughs> we started an hour later than. Yeah. That is. Are you sure there was only one player? Wow. Uh, positive. Absolutely positive. I'm not so sure about that. Wow. All right. The list includes Club Americas Alejandro Sendejas. Alex Sendejas. Alejandro. Right. Alex Sendejas. After publicly confirming his commitment to the U.S. Men's National Team. And also FC Juarez Alan Soñora. So that means, Herc, two Liga MX players, the only one Major League Soccer player. Are you surprised that... This roster includes more Liga MX players than Major League Soccer players. No, I'm not surprised by the Liga MX parts to Major League Soccer. Like that's, that's not, I'm, I'm surprised that it's so few North American-based players. I mean, it's insane to me. But then I really shouldn't be surprised if you look at its recent history. More than ever before, the program has players playing all around Europe. Very high-profile teams, high-profile leagues, high-profile situations like Champions League. And most recently in the World Cup, a World Cup fixture game, a World Cup group phase game against England, arguably the most important group game there was against England, you had a starting 11 of all European-based players, not one single Major League Soccer player. So I shouldn't be surprised of where this program is heading. But it's surprising to see that at this stage, Nations League, you only have one. Yeah, if you are surprised, then you should be happily surprised because this is actually good news. Right, right, right. Right? Uh, if, if this 24-player roster, 70%, 80% of the players were U.S.-based, I mean, it's not a bad thing, right? But it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing that you have so many players overseas in European leagues, maybe not all of them playing 90 minutes per game, maybe not all of them playing in a top five European league, but that's a different experience. And every single player will bring something different to the table, to this roster. So if you want to mention the two league and make his players, that's, that's okay. It's, it's a competitive league. That's fine. It's only two players. I think there's probably only a handful of those players are mentioning though. Mark McKenzie, the championship players, the rest are top five, top five. leagues. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if, if anything, you should be happily surprised. Again, not all of them playing 90 minutes or starting right. every single game, right. which is always a conversation, right? Would you rather be a starter in a major league soccer team than not very and regularly used player? And we shouldn't, we shouldn't be too surprised because Anthony Hudson said it very well there. That what they did last year, or I'm sorry, 2021, when there was two tournaments in one summer, is they split them. Nations League yep. and then Gold Cup. Gold Cup was arguably a C team. That C team B. that beat Mexico. B team. Well, go. Come on. you can B look team. at the players and where they are and B where they were sorry. and what happened. Arguably. All right, let's break down the list. Uh, let's talk about surprises. Biggest surprise. Call up the options. Brian Reynolds, Taylor Booth. Alan Soñora and uh, Inter de Porto Alegre's Johnny Cardoso. Johnny Cardoso. Uh, everybody's pretty much expected from me. I could, I could see why, except Alan Soñora. Alan Soñora for me is, is interesting. 24-year-old attacking midfielder. He didn't exactly impress us during the January camp, those two games. This is a player that hadn't played for a few months. You could say, well, that's why he didn't impress us in the January games. But then he goes and makes this move to Juarez. Uh, in Liga Mekis, and he's not played much, if at all. He's got like five games, the majority cameo appearances, one start. His team has yet to score a goal with him on the field. He's not impressed. 
So when you look at the roster of players called and who potentially could have been called like a Jordi Mihailovic in his place, would have made a lot of sense. So this is a very big surprise for me. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about snubs in just a second. I am surprised. That, that is my biggest surprise. Right, right. Just because, and I also have been able to call Liga MX games on ESPN Deportes, and I actually called a few of what is his game so far. I mean, I'm not saying that he's been bad, but he just, I mean, there's nothing going on with him. No, no, no. He hasn't had any impact. And this is, and an FIFA international break, you have two, like, formal official games playing Granada and El Salvador. It's only a 24-man roster. It's not like an expanded 30-man right. roster. So this is supposed to be the best of the best. And I know there are a few players injured that are not a part of this team. But I, I was very, very surprised to see Sonora just because he hasn't shown anything yet. No. And in this current season with FC Juarez. He's had, he's had one start with Juarez, and I think he was pulled at half. Yes. Plays a position. He's a little... Physically, he's a little slower, especially with his gameplay, than some of the players around him that might be at this level. Um, it'll be interesting because he doesn't jump at you, and he's not really like a, a, an eight or a box-to-box. He's, he's more of that creative midfielder that you would think would put pause and slow down the game and whatnot, but he's not had a good, good go of it. All right, you already uh, brought some names. Let's go on and talk about snubs. Who is the biggest snub in this 24-player roster? George Sargent, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Chris Richards, Georgi Mihailovic, or LAFC's Kalina Costa? Let me start off by Anthony Hudson kind of referenced the, some of these players yeah. who are due to injury mm -hmm. or injury concern are coming back from injury, which is still kind of weird to me. I'm going to say Josh Sargent just because Josh Sargent may have been an injury concern, but he's been playing lately. He just played yesterday. Uh, so I don't know what to make of that. We've heard Cameron Carter-Vickers is not injury-related. So I don't really know what to say there. But I, you know how I feel about Josh Sargent. He's the most important player uh, in the nine pool. The most talented player, excuse me, in the nine pool. That's how I feel about him. I thought he should have been on here. But I'm going to give you just really quickly a different name that's besides Josh Sargent. Mm -hmm. It's Kellen Acosta. Mm -hmm. Kellen Acosta is a tried and proven player. And if you look at who's not here, it's Tyler yep. Adams. Tyler Adams has a hamstring injury, won't be part of this camp. There is one nominal six in this roster, and that's Johnny Cardozo. Johnny Cardozo has played four games for the U.S., all friendlies. One of them was a start, I believe. By no means has played a competitive game, a big game of this magnitude for the U.S. men's national team. If Johnny gets hurt, you've got no nominal sixes. It would have been to the benefit of Anthony Hudson and this team to have a player like Kellen Acosta, who's tried and proven World Cup experience, a, a master of the dark arts and shithousery, and then also a dead ball specialist. It just made sense there. I, I don't understand why he didn't do that. Now you have to hope Johnny Cardoso is the man, one, and he stays healthy, too. What do you think, what, why do you think both Sargent and Kellen Acosta were left out of the roster? Well, Kellen Acosta, I believe he's, trying to separate the two and give it to the Gold Cup. Uh, still, you should cover because the defensive midfielder. And when it comes to Josh Sargent, it has to be injury concern. Because yeah, it has to be. He's been on a tear. It has to be negotiated He's been with on the a club. tear since, since uh, before the World Cup, after the World Cup. He, he's a player that's in good form. I would assume it's injury concern even though he played yesterday. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, go, going back to, Cal to Kalen Acosta, he's been actually really good for the national team. Yeah. It's not that he has only been good for LAFC. A uh, big reason why they are current champs, Major League Soccer champs. But whenever you needed someone else to come and, and, and give a hand in midfield, that was always Kelly Acosta. 
Yeah. That was Berhalter's go-to guy. And Whenever you so, needed so you needed a positions. fresh set of legs, uh, good on ball, good off ball. Yeah, yeah that was that was a, a, a big, big surprise. Now, on the show, we've spoken highly of Folarin Balagon, and we've yes. uh, recounted his goals. He's doing great in France. He was not called up by England. And the question now bears. Is there a possibility that he joins the U.S. men's national team in the future? This is what Anthony Hudson had to say about him. With uh, Flo, um, all I'll say, uh, Tom, is that there's been, there is uh, open dialogue uh, with, with him and his, um, his team. And uh, that dialogue is continuing and that's, you know, all I can say on that one. Okay, and then after being left out of the England roster, he posted this on his IG. In life, go where you are, appreciate it, be easy. And I don't know how you would describe that. The win. I don't even know that was an emoji or just another yeah. symbol. So, Eric, something, nothing, or everything Anthony Hudson confirming that there's open dialogue with Balogun. And let's add that, what he posted on his IG story. It, it, it's everything. Let me just start off by saying Anthony Hudson's got a burner. He's got a Twitter account for sure. <laughs> I, I am 100% convinced he's got that little sly little grin like, yeah, we've been talking. And he even called him Flo. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was big. Yes. That was big. He also knows that people were going to like this roster. I mean, there's not a lot to pick at with this roster. For the first time in a long time, a lot of these picks, either they made themselves or the coach was intelligent enough to say, you know what, this just makes sense. But when it comes to flow, when it comes to right. the gun. So you're going flow as well. Players are sometimes desperate to get things off their chest. They're sometimes dying to talk to the fans, to the press. If you ask the right question or give the right input, they will say what they need to say. And this is very simple. Show me the love. I want to go somewhere I am appreciated. Today, the Euros roster for England, it dropped. It was announced. He was not part of it. And coincidentally today, he drops this cryptic message. That, that graphic we just saw with those stats is not only, forget about the amount of goals. The team that he plays for, the league that he plays in, the opposition that he has to his face, age. <laughs> his age, and also the way he has been developed in England's youth system. It's not a minor deal, that's a big deal. England has a stacked roster as well. He's eligible for Nigeria as well. He was not, and oh, he was also available for, for Nigeria, but. Speaking of England, just in this particular case, it's a stacked roster, and he had hopes that he was that he was going to be called up for this international window. Uh, it is everything, and I think his Instagram story, although I mean, it's like Wikipedia, right? Instagram is not a source as well. No, 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 but no. But I no, think no, it's no, a no, great no, indication no, 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 no. This of how things are hold on, hold on. moving forward hold regarding on. his future. Hold on, by the way, whoever did my Wikipedia hates me, but uh, Wikipedia is <laughs> is not like Instagram because this Instagram is his Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Nobody can come in and put words. You got hate in your, your mouth. Wikipedia page? Oh no, it's just not great. If anybody out there wants to help me out, now everyone has to go check it out to Do see something what, to that terrible. And see what's not great. I got two. They don't even say 
I was born in the right place. Uh, no Jordan Pifok either on the roster. Uh, ESPN's Jules Lawrence had a conversation with him. Very interesting points on not making the U.S. men's national team 2022 World Cup roster. Quote, I would not put the blame on the coach or a player. The blame is on me. I was responsible for not being called up. It was my fault. I should have scored more. I should have been the player that the coach would have put first in his squad. I told myself that I could not put the blame on someone else. I had my chance. I played for the national team and I didn't do enough when I played. So that's it. He kept going by saying, Well, that's part of the quote that he gave Jules Lawrence on an interview. You can, by, by the way, you can read the uh, entire interview on ESPN.com on the website. Um, what do you make of these comments? There's nothing to make. He's, he's absolutely right. And it sucks because if there was one player who was consistent in their goal-scoring form, consistent in how much of a threat they were in front of the net— for the U.S. men's national team in this pool, it was Jordan Pifak. It didn't matter where he was playing, who was playing against, whether it was league play or whether it was Europa League versus Manchester United. He was scoring goals. He was that guy. He was consistent until he wasn't. And he wasn't at the worst possible time. The lead-up to the World Cup, when he went with Union Berlin, he got cold. Yep. And it's the worst possible thing because most people, most fans, still hold the missed sitter against Mexico in Estadio Azteca against him and that's a terrible thing because I think this player is much more than that but he's right he, he's got nobody to blame here but himself and it's terrible because he was that guy if anything the fact that he's putting this quote out for the world to see speaks highly of him right it's, it's, -awareness it's, is it's not it's not easy but it, but but it starts there it starts there not putting the blame on Greg Berhalter not putting the blame on his situation, his club, how things probably didn't go the way he expected things to go. And if this is the way you want to present yourself for the rest of the U.S. men's national team and environment to see, I think that's the right way to do it. Now, for strikers, for forwards, there's only one way in which you can go back and play for the national team. Oh, and you know this very well. And it's just scoring consistently. Yeah, uh, I'll use any nine you can think of who's just a goal scorer. Like, what does he do for you? The only way to defend yourself, you know, is not like, hey, I do this, I hold the ball well, I combine yeah. well. No, 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 just look at the goals, look at the stats. That's what you do. Look at the stats. For, for everybody who's ever said Chicharito is, is terrible, is tanker, this and that, because there's a lot of those people out there, should have just look. Look at all the goals I scored at Manchester Easy. United. Easy. Look at all the goals yeah. I scored Scoreboard. at Real Madrid. That's it. Look what I did at Leverkusen. Look what I did here. That's all you need to do if you're a nine. Look at the goals. And he had that to his defense until he did it. Yeah, but you got to appreciate the honesty, the of course. Sort of, uh, the way he presents himself. The uh, and, and, and he's still, I mean, he has a future in the, in the, in the national team. A lot but, of goal scorers right now. Exactly. Um, now, the telenovela of Alex Sendejas. It's finally over. Ale. Ale. He likes being called Alex Sendejas. Ale. But, Alex Sendejas. Uh, he has publicly committed to the U.S. men's national team over Mexico. Just got back in action last weekend after a muscle injury and will be a part of this international break. Now, um, this is the way he expressed his feelings. I am excited for this next chapter and earning my place with the U.S. men's national team. Thank you to everyone for the incredible support. Let's remember, Mexico tried 
tried to bring him to the Mexican national team. Now, the way they handled it was probably one of the reasons why, in the end, Alejandro Sendeja said, no muchas gracias, amigo. I'm going to play for the U.S. men's national team. Now, back in December, Herc, after the World Cup, you projected very early the roster you think will represent the U.S. in the 2026 World Cup. Sendejas obviously was not in your list. How do you feel about that right now? This is the roster you anticipated, again, very right. early, for the right. World Cup in 2026. World Cup was still going when the producer asked us to do this exercise. Now he wants me to do this exercise again. Can Alejandro Sendejas make the World Cup? Where does he fit in? It's a decent roster if you look at names. Here's the thing. Most people see him as a winger, a right winger. That's how he plays in Club America right. currently. If you, if you ask Alejandro Sendejas where he would like the player, where he sees himself, he would tell you he sees himself as an eight, a box-to-box -box midfielder, which is something he played in Necaxa, and he was very successful. And Chivas. And, and a little bit at Chivas, <laughs> yes. When he was at Necaxa, he was actually the leading goal scorer, the leading Mexican player in goals in all of the Liga MX as an eight, a box-to-box -box midfielder. He's a very different type of player. When you look at the pool in the U.S. men's national team, with players who have the ability to drive the ball forward from A to B, B to C, there's not a lot. There's Yunus Musa, and there's a few others who can use different skill sets to maybe go forward. He's another one of those players. He can drive the ball forward, whether he's dribbling or combining. He's left-footed, mm -hmm. and he's got in product. He's got goals. He's got assists. If I'm looking at who he can possibly compete that I put on this list, I put Malik Tillman there. Malik Tillman is yeah. having a hell of a time right now in Scotland with, uh, with Rangers. He's doing very well, lots of end product. He's a guy who comes in late, arrives late into the box. Very different skill set. It is Scotland. I do feel Alejandro Sendejas has the ability to go to Europe. As an eight, the ability to crack a lineup with the U.S. men's national team as an eight. It's Weston McKinney, if you look at that right now. Malik Tillman, in my eyes, with that ability, Maybe another guy or two, maybe another guy. And then Sendejas, he's in that mix and potentially could be knocking on the door. But this is a useless exercise, and that's <laughs> because it's not useless. No, it is. Can no, I tell no, you why? No, it's not, it's I, not useless. Can I, I tell mean, you why? It, it paints, a, paints no. a nice picture. Let me tell you why it's a useless <laughs> exercise, okay? Because form, form is temporary. And to stay three years in form, three yeah. years relevant, to stay three years healthy, to stay three years Concentrate um, to that objective and to make it, not everybody can make it. That's why it's sometimes a useless exercise. But that said, if I had to pick somebody where he can compete with the lineup or the depth chart I gave you, it would be me. I mean, it, just, it doesn't look like it, but I'm sure those three years will go like this, will fly. And, and when we look back, World Cup will be around the corner. Now, I do I wonder because well, you, right? said, you said he can go to Europe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not so sure about that. Oh, never mind. He said no. No, no, no. I'm not saying no. I just, I just say I'm not, not so sure. He's doing really good at Club America. Okay. He's coming back from injury. But he's still going to play more as a right winger than anything else. Okay. Let's say he stays put at Club America. Wait, wait, wait. You said you're not so sure about him going to Europe. Why is that? That's exactly what I'm saying. Let's say he's staying at Club oh, America. Wow. Tell me why he's not going to Europe. Why he can't go to Europe. Uh, I mean, he can, yeah, he can, but where, right? I mean, oh. to, to go to a top team? I don't think so. Well, that's not, hold on, hold on. That's not up for me and you. That's, that's not even important to yes, my point. Right. That, that, right. That's not even important to my point. My point is, if he stays at Club America and still plays the next three years as a right winger, do you see him that, can he compete for a spot in the U.S. men's national team playing as a right winger? You can compete. I don't think you're 
going to get the result you want. Those positions, wingers, whatever side you're on, you've got a Christian Pulisic, you've got a Giovanni Reina, you've got a Timothy Weah, you've got a Brendan Aronson. You've got, honestly, the likes of Booth and Mikhailovich, yeah. who I don't think can fit into these eight roles, who you might need to throw out into a win. Uh, there's a Paxton, yeah. There's a, pack. there's a different... There's different players, lots of different players that you just can't peg in a certain place that might end up on the wing and somehow. So it's a, it's a crowded field. All right, more national team-related news. It was announced on Tuesday, the new Continental Clásico, an annual event featuring the U.S. Men's National Team hosting what was labeled as a top-tier opponent from North America or Central America or South America. First edition, April 19th against Mexico in Glendale, Arizona. Who benefits more from uh, this uh, recently instituted Continental Clásico? Either, neither, or both USA or Mexico? Some. <laughs> Soccer United Marketing benefits the most from this. Uh, out, of the, out of these two, out of these two, um, it, it would be Liga Mexis. Excuse me, the Mexican national team. Which essentially, in this case, would, would be the same thing. This date is not like a FIFA it's international not a FIFA break. Fixture date. It's not. So it, would be, yeah. it would be all Liga MX, all Major League Soccer. And the reason it benefits Mexico is because we, we just named the U.S. Men's National Team roster for the Nations League. There's one player from Major League Soccer, two from Liga MX. Uh, your whole team is now European-based, whereas Mexico's, the majority, and historically the majority, have been Liga Mekis based. And those players who have been of important positions for them today and in the past have also been Liga Mekis based. And those who could potentially go abroad are still today Liga Mekis based, which is maybe not the case for the U.S. Men's National Team. We're going to talk about Josh Winder in a little bit. 17-year-old who's going to go, you know, to, to, to Benfica from the USL. So it's always back to Liga Mekis, which is why it benefits the Mexican National Team in this fixture date, but make no bones about it, the one who benefits the most yeah, here of course. is some. Whoever's making the big bucks is actually benefiting from this. Now, it's for the fans, it's great just to have another Clásico USA play in Mexico, of Let's course. Let's go. I'll go. Uh, Football Americas from Arizona? Ahora nunca from Arizona? Let's go. Yeah, no, I'll take Seb. That, <laughs> Seb's back on Monday, by the way. Uh, uh, so, But, I mean, I want to say both. You're right. Everything you said regarding the Mexican national team, the fact that at least 50% of the current Copa players play in Mexico, that benefits, that, that's reps. And this team under Diego Coca, they need the reps. But for the younger potential U.S. men's national team players, the fact that they can have an experience like that, playing against the big rival in what most likely will be an away game for the U.S. men's national team, I mean, that's, that's actually something of value. So, in the end, in the end, both teams end up benefiting from a game like this. You took the easy way out, didn't you? I never take the easy way out. <laughs> if that. anything, I always All take right. the tough way out. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's move on. Uh, Graham Hunter had a conversation with Kristen Pulisic, a long conversation. You will be able to uh, get the entire conversation on Friday. Uh, but for now, we have a preview with a big topic that everybody's talking about. His thoughts on the Berhalter and the Reynes situation. This is just a fragment of the long conversation, Graham Hunter at Christian Pulisic's house. One of the questions I had about Christian Pulisic coming into this tournament wasn't so much his play, was his psyche. He's not starting at Chelsea. I think Christian Pulisic needs to be loved. He needs to feel valued, and you will get the best out of him. I don't feel that situation is Chelsea. He doesn't like Chelsea as much as he likes the United States. A lot of talk is about that London goal against Algeria, and now you have your moment, your first big moment. How do you feel about that? It feels great to score in a World Cup. I think, uh, I'm hoping I haven't had that moment yet, to be honest. I'm hoping it's in front of me. Uh, there's still more to come. If, um, if, I want to be careful now because it's not your job to appoint the next coach. However, uh, you're the leading player, I think. Um, you're old enough now to have really gathered a lot of information about how successful teams work. The US men's team doesn't have a director of football at the moment. I don't think there's a general manager and there's no coach. And the general word seems to be that it's going to take a couple of months. You know, they're talking to potential directors of football from which a coach appointment will, will stem. The, the World Cup that you're co-hosting might seem a long way away. But blink, and we're almost six months on from Qatar. Does the US Federation have as much time as it seems they think they do to get on with progress and get on with yeah. consolidating what you achieved in Qatar? Yeah, for me, for me, it's an interesting one um, because, like you said, I'm not here to appoint the next manager. It's not my job. Um, whoever it is, I'm going to play and give 100%, and that's that's what I'm going to do. But uh, yeah, in my opinion, it's. Uh, Everything that happened with 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 Greg, uh, first of all, is I think handled ex you know in an extremely childish manner. I think we all have seen what's been going on. Um, I think I think it's childish. It's 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 youth soccer. You know, people complaining about playing time. I don't want to go in, you know too far into that, but that's that's what we'll say. Um, I think Greg has you know been 
extremely unfortunate in, in the position to get even into the position he is now. Um, do I feel like we should just wait and wait and, and you know, I, I don't think it's necessary because I don't feel we're in a, I don't feel we're in a phase like we were after not qualifying four years ago or however many years ago for the last World Cup where we need a complete rebuild. We don't, we don't need some, you know, a bunch of new guys coming in and this and this. We have a strong core in my opinion and I think a lot of people have seen that and we need to carry on with that. And that's why um, it's, it's a tough one for me because I think we could, I think we could just want to continue that as soon as we can and, and, and build off of this World Cup, this, you know, World Cup, which I think brought a lot, had a lot of positives in it, I will say. And I think we want to get going with that as, you know, as soon as, as soon as we can. Sticking to the theme that it's not your or my job to appoint the next coach. If it were Greg Berhalter, you'd be reasonably content that you've got a talented coach a reliable man, a winning coach, and somebody able to take the gains you all and he have made and push forward. I'm not, I won't put words in your mouth, but is that what you would feel? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. I think the strides that we've taken in recent years with him appointed, I think, has been, has been evident. I think it's, it's quite clear. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I'll say. Yeah, that's a clear endorsement of Christian Pulisic to bring Greg Berhalter back to the U.S. Men's National Team coach position. Let me ask you this. How impactful are his words regarding appointing the new manager? Does it matter that Christian Pulisic comes out and says this publicly? Uh, it shouldn't matter. Does it matter? Maybe. He's one of your most important players in the program. Is it a good idea to bring Greg Berhalter back? Absolutely not. Um, I've already mentioned, I'm exhausted from mentioning so many times. Don't get exhausted. After the World this Cup. This will go on for a while. To date, about how Greg Berhalter isn't the correct person for the job. I gave you his record away from home. I gave you the wins in the World Cup. One, Iran. I gave you the third World Cup finish, et cetera, et cetera. His bad man management, everything that happened at the symposium, the leadership symposium with Giovanni Reina, et cetera, et cetera. John Anthony Brooks, how that went down. Weston McKinney and that protocol. All this other stuff. Let me give you the other side of that coin. Can you imagine the first time, if he's back, the first time he has a camp, the circus surrounding everything that would happen with Greg Berhalter, the scrutiny for Greg Berhalter, for the players, the time that he has to call Giovanni Reyna up because you're not gonna not gonna, you're not going to not call up one of your of course, best players. Of course. You're gonna call Giovanni Reyna. What that would be like for him, for Giovanni Reyna, for the pool of players. It's a terrible idea. Now, I ask myself why Christian Pulisic would say this. Christian Pulisic is a player that needs to be loved. You saw it there in the montage. Mm -hmm. Greg Berhalter valued him, made him a captain a lot of games, showed him that, lo that love, entrusted in him that faith of being a leader on the team. He had in Greg Berhalter a coach who believed in him, something that he's not had at Chelsea with Frank Lampard, with Thomas Tuchel, certainly with Graham uh, Potter. Well, he's been injured for the majority of It's Graham always Potter's something tenure. with a coach in Chelsea. It's always something, okay? He found in Greg Berhalter somebody who believed him. So I understand why he would go out there and back him. The no doubt in my mind, a little tough to hear given the circumstances, but I could see and empathize with why he would say that. So I've 
I've heard you many times saying, just like now, why you don't believe Greg Berhalter should be back, right? When I listen to Christian Pulisic, maybe the fact the way he's saying it should give us an idea how the players feel about working with Greg Berhalter. And, and, that everything, as, as Graham said during the inter in interview, those gains, right? Those gains that, because you painted a, a, all the results and all the stats. Yeah, they were not great, but they were not bad. So there were some things that were achieved under Greg Berhalter. Don't you believe that the fact that players like him, players like working with him, should also be a factor when choosing the new manager for the team? No, the biggest factor should be who can help you win, who can help you transcend, who can help you get better, who can help you take you, your game and elevate it to the next level, not who you feel comfortable with. The reality is Christian Pulisic is backing Greg Berhalter in this Clearly, game. yeah. It's not that the player pool is backing Greg Berhalter. Doesn't he speak that. for the players? No, no, no. He speaks for you, Pulisic you, and, and Christian Pulisic. Do you think he speaks for Giovanni Reina? I mean, not Gio, but oh. many other players. Oh, oh well, there's And one, by the way, by the way, you are talking think... about those many other players really quickly, per The Athletic, there was a report that those many other players thought that he wasn't experienced enough or of a certain clout to manage the European players. So it goes, what do you ever you want to believe? Uh, all I know is, and I empathize with Christian Pulisic and why he's saying mm -hmm. it. I can see mm -hmm. why he's saying it, but I don't agree with it. Finally, because you mentioned the circus that would be around the team. Yeah. If Greg comes back and has to... And I'm talking about the players. What Gio, right? what the sponsors would do. I'm talking about the players. Of course. But don't you think that, I mean, dealing with grown men, adults, yes, the first day would be a circus, 100%. But don't you believe that being professionals, grown men... They can actually look over the shoulder and put her in the past and move on. Grown men. You, you, you don't think so. Grown men. You don't think so. You don't think this is a mature enough roster that can actually have, can actually have a conversation. I don't, I don't care how old you are. Having this type of dark cloud over you every single camp is a lot to deal with. Okay. So Pulisic has made his position very clear. You have made your position very clear as well. Um, all right, so there's a, but there's another name around the U.S. men's national team job. After leaving the Belgian national team, Thierry Henry has been linked with a couple of managerial jobs. He just turned down one of those. He won't be the France women's national team, which is, by the way, going through a lot of internal conflict themselves right now. His name now has also been attached to the U.S. men's national team opening. Do you believe this recent news Bring him closer to the U.S. job. Well, I would assume he feels it brings him closer to this job, per ESPN reports. Um, he seems like a very intelligent person to me. Mm -hmm. And if I'm Thierry Henry and I'm this intelligent, I don't go based on a hunch or a hope. I'm not turning down job offers. I'm tiptoeing the line and I'm having conversations with people in and around the Federation to see if it's a reality. Should I be holding up hope? So I think he feels that there's something more to it. The reality is Thierry Henry's resume as a manager is awfully thin. 
Monaco did not go well. I believe he had like four wins in his time there, 11 defeats, something yeah. like that. You saw numbers, uh, yeah. Five draw. I, I could be wrong in the in the in the uh, win uh, losses ties record right there. Uh, Montreal did not go as go well as either. Excuse me. He ended up leaving the club, stated family reasons, and that's perfectly acceptable. But he's had two managerial stints, head coaching stints, where it didn't go well. He was the assistant manager and under Roberto Martinez with Belgium. Roberto yeah. Martinez. That's a very different role from being a head coach. He is a very well-respected figure. You will have that going for you. But when it comes to the resume, it's a very thin resume. So I have my doubts about how productive he could be. So you like no candidates at all? <laughs> so I far, love, I love every single name that we've brought to the table, you, you said Greg, no. You brought me who do Greg you want? Who do you want to manage the team? Well, Pep Guardiola? You brought me Greg Jose Mourinho? I told you, Greg Halter. I mean, I, I still believe Greg Halter is a capable man for the job. But that's just me. Why do I know? I've always liked Greg Halter. And you have not. But... That's okay. Now, so let me ask you this, just, just to wrap up the whole uh, Thierry Henry conversation. If it is actually a reality that the Federation would be interested in talking to him, talk to him. Talk to as many people as you want, many candidates as you want. They unearth every rock. That's what you should do. They didn't do that in the last process. They yeah, produced. That's my point. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was Greg Berhalter exactly. and Oscar Pareja. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Wait, no Tata Martino? No, he didn't speak English. <laughs> so that, that's, that's all you talk to. Oh, unearth every rock. Talk to whoever you want to talk to. Get what you need to do. Due diligence. Yeah. I mean, even if I'm Thierry Henry, I would not take this job. Okay. I would not take the job. Why? I, I mean... Feel inclined to ask, but go ahead. No, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you said it. Uh, it it's, it's not an easy job. This is not an easy job. I believe that if it's not Greg Berhalter, the team needs a well-experienced manager either in the domestic arena or in the international arena. I think you need someone with a big personality, but a can lot of experience managing groups can like I, this. Can I ask you a question? Sure. I've been seeing this floated around a lot sure. uh, online and in uh -huh. different social platforms. Uh -huh. If Because there's a picture of Thierry Henry and, and Flo Balogun, yeah. the gun, together. And he, we know how the gun values and admires Thierry Henry. If bringing in Thierry Henry as a head coach would lock down Flo, would you do it? For that only reason? No. No. I'm just curious. Maybe you can bring him as an assistant manager. I'm you just, can name, you can name a, a well-renowned manager and you bring Titi Henry as his assistant manager. And if that secures well, bringing Fularima Lagoon, then maybe so. Know. Maybe so. I don't know if that's going to get Thierry Henry out of bed, being an assistant manager again. Because no, I believe he, Roberto no, Martinez yes, offered him in Portugal. Yeah, and he, Portugal, and he, and he declined. Uh, okay, let's uh, run it back. Daryl Dika, fourth goal in the last five games for West Brom. Listen this to this. This is a nice finisher. Yeah, he, he's coming to his own. Daryl Dike scored his uh, seventh goal of the campaign, I believe. Yes, seventh yep. goal right there. He's got something like 80 league, uh, league games between MLS and Championship, okay, in the Championship division. He scored 34 goals, plus his three goals in eight matches for the U.S. men's national team. He's a goal scorer. That's what he does. That's who he is coming into his own at the very right time. And... The big baby. Can I call him the big baby? No. El Bebote, Santiago Jimenez. Baby, right? I've always believed in Santiago Jimenez. Fifth Europa League goal this tournament. Feyenoord scored seven on Shakhtar. Santi played 50 minutes then. I know what you're doing. 
What? Now let me talk because you know what I'm going to say. Go For on. those of you who don't Come know, on. This, this, Mauricio this, this, this is your the show. Go on. Bebote hater. Biggest Santiago <laughs> Jimenez hater a, out I was going to get a tattoo You're with the nickname. And, and I told him. You were gonna I told him. So, uh, big Bundesliga weekend on ESPN+. Plus. By Leverkusen and Bayern Munich on Sunday starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Catch the action right here on ESPN+. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's talk Champions League, shall we? The big one, of course. CONCACAF Champions League. Second leg. Round of 16. Austin FC hosting. Violet from Haiti. And they needed three goals, Herc. This in the second minute, almost. Oh. Yassi Sardes missing the first chance. Yassi Sardes, Henry Ring. I'm sorry, Henry Ring. Alex Ring back there. And then, oh, good little save. Keeper had very little to do with Piera. He hit it, not very hard, not a lot of direction. 35th minute, Driussi with the header. Good save. Remember, Violet could not bring the, their entire squad to Austin. Yeah, Violetta struggling here. And then look at this, golazo from nice. Driussi. Good technique, the Violet goalkeeper could only see it go by. You're not picking that anywhere but out of the net. What a way to strike it. I would nominate this one to the top 10. How about this one? 62nd minute, oh my goodness. And the goalkeeper leaves the door open. And there is hope for Austin FC to come back. He was tremendous all night too. What an air, tries picking the ball up, catching it, can't do it, can't handle it, and then the goal goes in. Owen Wolf, 82nd minute, will try the acrobatic Woo! finish. And it just goes wide. So close for Wolf who scored a great goal over the weekend. 97 minute. No good from Adam Lundqvist. And Austin is out. Post-game reaction. We, we, we went through a lot, man. We went through a lot. And uh, we didn't have our best players. We fought and fought and fought. So this means, this means a lot to us, man. It's disappointing that, you know, this wasn't for a trophy, but it obviously, if you can win and keep advancing, we know how difficult Champions League is. We've, you know, as long as this tournament's been around, Seattle finally captured it last year, which, uh, you know, there's a lot of credit to them for what they're able to do. Um, you know, we're two years into our build and, and we've got, you know, growth that needs to continue to happen, development that needs to continue to happen. But we earned the right to play in the tournament. We didn't do well enough in these two games to advance. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the long and the short of it. we we got to continue to build out depth in our group. But um, in these moments, we have to show the resiliency when it's needed, the quality when it's needed. Um, and these results hinge on plays. And, um, you know, I don't know what we had, 30-something shots tonight. Um, so it, it's, it's disappointing, but there's, there's a lot of opportunities today to, to right the wrong from the first leg. And we, we weren't able to do that. 
We were not able to do that. A lot to unpack from those uh, Josh Wolf statements. Complaining about the depth of the team? Yeah. What was the situation regarding their opponents and the depth of their roster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, how big of a loss is this, considering the whole Major League Soccer <sighs> context in CONCACAF Champions League? Listen, it's not just the worst defeat for a Major League Soccer team in the CONCACAF Champions, okay? It's the biggest upset in the history of its tournament. There was a Joe Republic that they pounded the New England Revs like, back in the day, 3-4-0, um, I believe. But Violet AC, this team, a team that hadn't played in close to 300 days, a team that couldn't even play in their home country due to the gang, excuse me, uh, due to the gang violence in Haiti, played in the Dominican Republic, pounded you 3-0, took you back to your place in Austin in the front of that amazing hometown crowd, and they had visa issues. Over half their teams, their best players couldn't even attend. They were scrambling and trying to sign USL players last day, last minute, to play and fill out a roster. Only 14 players on the roster. Three players on the bench. And they do this? This is on our radar. This is a upset, the biggest upset in the history of CONCA champions because of arrogance. Because of the arrogance of Josh Wolf and Austin FC. He talks about depth. He questions yeah. his team depth. Nah. He questions them being a 30-year franchise. Look at everything this team from Haiti had to overcome. What it meant to them, to the captain, when he spoke to the cameras after this game. He's practically in tears. It is one of the most arrogant moments I've ever seen from a Major League Soccer team, and they deserved exactly what they got. Yeah, it's not only embarrassing, because this is what it is. It's just embarrassing for credit Austin to, the, to lose this to game. Violette. But I was going to say this. I was going to say this. As a manager, there were only two things that I expected to hear from Wolf. Number one, hats off to our opponents, Violet, hats off to them. And number two, apologizing to your fans. Yeah. That's, those are the only two things that are worth saying in a press conference after a defeat like that. No excuses, no explanations. I certainly hope that the message Inside that locker room was 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 tough, was strong, because this is this cannot happen. Because everything he said about the franchise and we're building something, only our first uh, CONCACAF experience, fine. When you put and you try to compare the resources for both teams, you can't. You cannot do it. No. It's disrespectful even to try and doing it. So just apologize. Heads off to your opponent. And we'll try to do better next time. Definitely. Everything else made absolute no sense whatsoever of what Josh Wolf had to say after I, the game. I, I don't understand this. We need to build our depth. What are you doing? Load management in week two, week three of Major League Soccer. They had to go play Ralph South Lake. You have 34 games in a regular season plus whatever games come after that in the playoffs. Or you have seven games to win a trophy. It is utterly arrogant to think that you can trot out a BC team and get a result in the Dominican Republic. And then when you don't, you come here with your A team and you're complaining and you're saying it's your depth yeah. and you're I blaming mean, the come players. On. That's, come on, it, it's, it's beyond that. Uh, now, another team was against the ropes. That was Atlas and their manager, Benjamin Mora, reportedly received an ultimatum. You lose and you're gone. 
and they also needed a large comeback against Olympia to move on in the round of 16 in the CONCACAF Champions League. Let's go to Estadio Jalisco in Guadalajara for the action. Atlas, you know who was, you know who had a big game, Herc? Who? Mr. Julian Quinones. This is oh, Benjamin he Mora. To play now. Maybe his last game as Atlas manager, 38 minutes, and Julian Quinones with a header. And there was hope for Atlas. I will remind everybody, he refused to play the first leg. Nobody knows why. He just wouldn't play. Back in the starting lineup and making an impact. 62nd minute, Osiel Herrera after. Picking up the bounce and scoring. Benjamin Mora celebrating because he knew, first of all, Sears still alive and he still has a job at that moment. Herrera, one of the more exciting young players Liga Mekis. What a shot there! And then, woo! Go ahead, Aldo Rocha! Go ahead! Aldo Rocha with a massive strike. Second chance converts. He was very vocal regarding Julian Quinones' situation after the first game. Quinones, who had an amazing game, scored the fourth. He said, I don't know what he's saying, but whatever he's saying, he My delivered. House. My house. Atlas advances on a 5-4 to four aggregate. Another game that we were looking forward to. Orlando hosting Tigres. Scoreless in the first leg in El Volcán. This is the eight minute. Pedro Galese had himself a game here with a very good save. 15 minutes in, the header and the chance by Gorriarán. That's two, that's two right there from Galese. And then right here, what a beautiful move. You would have pegged that one to go in. That was as good as it got in the first half. Yeah, a lot of action. 20th minute, Angulo with a cross, Cordoba controls with the chest and then finishes with the left foot. Tigres in front after 20 minutes. We go all the way to the 66. Nico Ibanez. Another great save by Galese. Yeah, that's four already from Galese. He's been massive. Another through ball right here. Nico Ibanez again. Galese makes himself big. That's five. Remember, no Gignac for Tigres in this match. Quinones. That's six. Galese again. Powerful. Man of the match, no doubt. But now Orlando, they need a two because of the away goal by Tigres. On the line, save, and then. It's in! Erkan Cara with the bicycle kick. And Orlando now needed just one with two minutes to go in regulation. Look what happens when you attack. Fifth minute of added time. Nahuel Guzman. No! There was a chance. Oscar Parejo was not happy. We scored in the minute 89. And between 89 and 96, 45 seconds. And that, in that part, it was four minutes, 50 seconds that they did not play the game. They didn't allow us to play the game. Whether it was because the uh, goalkeeper wasn't playing, not restarting, substitutions, and and even the celebration of the goal. So they need to understand that. And we saw it in the World Cup, guys. I mean, you, you, you get five minutes, but, but the, the other, they're wasting time. They need to add more time. And, and and that's what I'm saying. It's it's like a, a, a listen. We are respectful, and I want to say it again. But we're not stupid. All right, we're not stupid. Complaining about time wasting by Tigres should Oscar Pareja get lost with those complaints. Yes, Papi. This goes for Papi Oscar Pareja, uh, and it also goes. Is that how you call him? That's what everybody calls him. Everybody calls him Papi. Oh, and, yeah. and the Orlando fans get lost here. Uh, 
you didn't lose this game because of the time wasting. You didn't lose this game because of a, an apparent handball. The referee, there was no handball, hit him in the chest. You also didn't lose this game because of the own goal, or excuse me, the away goal rule, okay? You, you lost this series. You're not advancing because Tigres was better, because you didn't attack. You weren't crossing half field because Pedro Galese was your best player. Pedro Galese is the reason this game, the second leg, didn't end up 7-1. to one. That's the reality. That's why you're not advancing. There is no conspiracy. There is no let's, let's like take time away from Orlando. Let's see how dumb they are. That's not what happened here. Tigres was the better team, and they advanced. I would ask Oscar Pareja. By the way, great, great man. We've had the chance yeah, to interview awesome. him many times. Papi. Great guy. I do not call him Papi. I call him Mr. Pareja. Um, I would ask him the following. <laughs> Have you had the lead the in the 90th minute? Yeah. Right? Have you had the lead in the 90th minute? And your players would do everything in their power to waste time. Right. Would, would, he, <laughs> would he throw his players under the bus for wasting time? You know, I did not like the way we you, won. You know what they would we call it? We are, this is not us. We do not waste time. You know I'm going to have a conversation now? with my player because we, even though we're leading, we do not waste time. You know what they would call it? Clock management. Ah, yeah, exactly. Being sad. If you're losing, it's time <laughs> wasting. If you're winning, it's clock management. Yeah. yeah, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. Um, he could have also complained about his players in the first 90 minutes and how they led uh, Pedro Galese to be the start of the game. Both games, by the way. Everybody both in Mexico games. was talking about Pedro Galese and how impressive yeah. he was both games. Well, he played that in Mexico. Everybody knows Pedro Galese. Yeah, way. Actually, Tigres is the yeah. one who brought him to Mexico. Yeah. He's up playing. You're right. Veracruz. Veracruz. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on. LAFC. They also had a very comfortable lead hosting at the former bank, Liga Deportiva Alajuelense. It's still the bank. Still the bank? Well, yeah, because BMO is a bank. You sure? Yeah, BMO is a bank. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is a penalty. Yeah, it was a penalty. Eight minute and... Okay, it's three to one. Yeah, Gonzalez. Liga Deportiva still in it. You're not, you're not stopping that. How about this one right here? It's a good opportunity. Oh! Aaron Long off the crossbar. Nice header. Barely missed it. 20th minute. Bad mistake by the defense trying to bring the ball out of control, and Carlos Vela misses. How about this? Buke right here. Oh! Oh, he had it. It was his. No. We go to the second half. Benegas blocked by Carlos Vela. And then in second chance, the keeper gives a second opportunity. Aaron Suarez says thank you very much. And we have a series. It's only one goal. Liga Deportiva La Juanense is needing. Yep. But in the 57th minute, this is a header for Carlos Vela. Nice save by the it's keeper. Still squeaky bum time for LAFC. They need something here. Get something. Oh, I was going to say something in Italian, but I only know bad words, so I did not say it. Carlos Vela, with a great control, even better finish, puts the game in the freezer, and LAFC advancing to the quarterfinals. There you go, your bracket. As we speak, still Tauro playing Leon Motagua, facing Pachuca. That's a tough part of the bracket. Terrible. Vancouver will play LAFC, Terrible. and in a very interesting matchup, Atlas Philadelphia, but that 
that upper side of the bracket, Herc, that's that's a tough one. You think so? <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it's lining up to be an MLS Liga Mekis final, but that Tigres Pachuca matchup, that's terrible. Like, oh, good, that could be a final. Right. All right, so this is through Wednesday's games in the CONCACAF Considering Pachuca wins, excuse me. Considering. Let's start with El Clásico, Regio. You played in this Clásico. Let's book it, Herc. I don't know. Say it right. Say it right. I scored in this Clásico. Oh, excuse me. And My this bad. is the Clásico of choice for Miguel Herrera. Stop. <laughs> All right, I'm taking Tigres in this one, and it's not because there's Tigres TV. Like, no, like of course not. Well, let's just go look at the numbers. <laughs> let's look at the numbers. Tigres, by the way, Tigres, okay, they've mm. only lost once. In the last seven games mm. against Rayados and Monterrey, this is in El Estadio Volcán. They're coming off a win versus Orlando. I I'm taking this one for whatever reason, and I know the reason. For, for whatever reason, I know the reason. For whatever reason, Tigres just wins this Clásico. Plus 125, the victory. Yes, sir. Uh, this is how confident I am that Rayados will not only win, they will dominate this game. Okay. I'm having Rayados to win by two or more. Plus 433. I'll take that bet. Well-rested team. That they don't. That Best they don't. team in the country. That they don't. Um, and nine of their 11 league games, they have scored at least two goals. And Tigres just cannot score. I'm loving this yeah, plus 433. You're on them not to concede. And they're the best defensive team in Mexico. I said Tigres do not score. That's what I said. You said Monterrey will score. All right, all right. Clásico Nacional. Uh, this is Mao's favorite Clásico. Or is that the Querétaro? That's correct. Uh, Querétaro San Luis. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, it's very easy for me. I'm going to take Loop America to win. That's plus 120. It's strange, but the home team in this series does not do well. That is correct. And, and especially if it's Chivas. Chivas, out of the 15 games they've played in El Estadio Akron, their home stadium versus Club America, they've only won three. It's a very poor home record for Chivas. Chivas is coming off loss versus Puebla, who's their daddy, and America just had a big win versus Tigres. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Club America here, and it's not even close at plus 120. By the way, you used Papi and Daddy on the same show. Yes, sir. So I'm going with, this is the proposition. Both teams score, I say no. Both teams won't score. That pays plus 114. In six out of the last nine games, this prop has actually hit. So I'm like, I like this won't be a high scoring game. Both teams will play very, very fearful of not losing it. I'm actually counting on the nil-nil. I like the way it pays, plus 114. Both teams will score, I say no. Ooh, okay. I don't think it's gonna be a great well, game to be I, honest. I, I, think I don't think it's gonna be a I, good game. I think America will score their highest, they're the highest goal scoring team in all of Mexico, but Wacho Jimenez and Chivas are very iffy for me. Chivas is one of the most efficient uh, defensive teams in the league. Okay. All right, we go with the De Clásica in the Netherlands. I am going with Ajax to win, minus 140. There's a wow. reason, there's a reason they're favored so much. Ajax is undefeated this year. Yep. Undefeated at home in general in the season. It's the highest goal scoring team in all of the Eredivisie. They actually have, listen to this, they have seven players with seven or more goals. Two of those players have already hit double digits. Edson Alvarez, 
Jorge Sanchez versus Santi Jimenez. I will take Ajax. I was ready to go with a uh, Santi Jimenez, my guy, El Bebote, prop bet, but I'm shying away from it. Here's my bet. Over, under, three goals, not three and a half, three goals scored, minus 113. Now, I'm taking a risk. This bet only hit in two of the last five matchups, which is weird because we think of this game as a high scoring game. You just spoke of the scoring uh, ratio for Ajax. Feyenoord, they just scored seven They're in on the Europa League well. and they are in first place. But I'm very confident this will be a high scoring game. I am hitting that over under three goals. Now, El Clásico, Barcelona hosting Real Madrid. Yeah, this one's this one's tough for, for a lot of reasons. I went the, with the draw at plus 240 because the payout is good, and also I look at the moments of both teams. You've got you've got a Real Madrid team that already played midweek versus a Barcelona team that is just insane defensively. They've only given up eight goals all season in 25 Crazy. games. Crazy. Uh, Dembele may be injured. Uh, but they're getting back Lewandowski and Pedri. And Vinicius is a big part of that attack for Real Madrid. But against Barcelona, Araujo, he's got him in his pocket. So I'm expecting a low-scoring game, and I'm expecting a draw here because the payout uh, pays well. So I'm going to take the draw versus these two. Payout is great, by the way. Yeah. Plus 240. All right, I'm going with Robert Lewandowski. Anytime scorer, plus 100. Yeah. Straight up. Um, this is, a, this is a good matchup for Robert Lewandowski. It's not that Real Madrid is truly struggling defensively, but they have not been elite in the last five to six league especially games. Especially against Xavi. Especially, <laughs> especially against Xavi. Barcelona recently has Real Madrid's number, and I believe Robert Lewandowski will be a big part of this game. El Clásico on ESPN Plus, Barcelona hosting Real Madrid. Great coverage, by the way, starting on 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. And earlier, there you go, another Clásico, Ajax hosting Feyenoord, 1v2, 1 versus 2, Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 a.m. Pacific, also right here on ESPN Plus. Let's go to a new set of rules announced by MLS Next Pro, and I'm gonna ask you, Herc, if you are cool with it. Here we go. Higher seed picks opponents in first two player rounds. Quarterfinals, two and three seeds will choose opponents and host the match. Semifinals, conference leader in points will host match against chosen opponent, lowest two remaining seeds. And this other rule, time substitution rule, allows a maximum of 10 seconds for a substitute player to leave the field or replacement player will have to wait at least 60 seconds to enter the field. Are you cool with it? I'm absolutely cool with it. And I, I love this. This is, this is amazing. So the power play rule, if you will, 10 seconds get out, or it's one yeah. minute, you're a man down. Just get out the field. Quit wasting time. All right, Oscar Pareja, I'm sorry. Fine, done. Uh, <laughs> this is the Oscar Pareja rule. Yes. The, the, the next one, the higher seed picks opponents in the first two playoff rounds. <laughs> I love I love that one. That is, I love it. I, this That's is the, amazing. This is the ultimate bulletin board yeah. material. Asiway, you want me? You want to play against us? Yeah. This is amazing. Fireworks. I cannot wait to see what happens. So that rule, I love. Love. Cannot wait to see it. Now, the other rule, the time substitution rule. 
The idea is great. I just want to know exactly when that, when those 10 seconds start. Are they going to, when? At, when when does it hit? When when does the clock start sticking? Show that had the fourth official. Will well, I, so we are sure we think, we believe it's not great. And I also believe it shouldn't be a minute. It should be like three minutes. You want like a longer for, power play. Oh, yeah. I mean, for it to have an impact, right? Three minutes. Let's 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 add a couple of more minutes. But I mean the playoff rule, I mean, that's just awesome, man. That's great. Cannot, cannot wait for that. As I cannot wait to share it with you all. Alright, we have a party shot. Louisville City defender Josh Weiner has just completed a transfer to Benfica. 17-year-old. He will make the move in the summer once he turns 18. Record transfer for the club, $1.5 million. Josh, uh, Josh Winder is a teenager. He played 11 games in 2011 USL Louisville. He played 22, 21 games excuse me, in 2022 last season. And he's off to Europe. It's, it's, I mean, what else do you want? Easy. This is a testament to what USL is doing, to what Louisville City is doing, allowing their players to develop and then quickly selling them, yep. showing that they could be a platform to break out and go to Europe. Uh, this is amazing for the league, amazing for the, for the city, and amazing for the player. And in the last 10 years, no other club in Europe has made so much more money than Benfica, after the second sale. They're great at developing players, scouting players, developing players, and then selling them for as a lot the of money. <laughs> yeah, as Darwin Nunez, Ruben well, Diaz. Enzo, Enzo. Enzo Fernandez, yeah. And that's, so if you, first of all, if you wanna make a move to Europe at 17, 18 years old, and you're gonna go to Benfica, I mean, doesn't get much better than that. Uh, great news for everyone, everybody. Sep is back on Monday. Come here. Come that on. means I'm gone. No, 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 no. Stay, 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 stay. No, no, no. I don't need this. Stay where you are. I mean, I'm not saying no to a hug or whatever. This is. Come here. Just, just, just get on, get on camera. Get on camera. Get on camera. Uh, oh, man, thank you so much for being This doesn't mean I'm gone. I mean, I'll be back eventually on the show. <laughs> I'm actually back on Thursday on the show. But I got to say, it's been a pleasure to uh, sub in for Sep. We're wishing and his family. We started. I mean, you were you know, I, I, I like calling myself the Diego Linus of Football that, America. That would explain a lot. I was also left out of that, the World that Cup. Would explain I was also <laughs> left out of, very, very unfairly left out of the World Cup roster. Just the truth of the matter. I'm talented, I'm young, I'm really good, but I was young. left out of the World Cup roster. Seb, welcome back on Monday.